Welcome to the Rural Woman Podcast, a platform for women in agriculture, ranching, homesteading, and more to share their stories. I'm your host, Caitlin Dubin. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Rural Woman Podcast. This week, I interviewed Tara Coronado. She is a female farmer from California. She grew up in agriculture, left agriculture, and then came back. She started her own vineyard in 2017 and is going to tell us a little bit about that, plus her journey in mental health and more. So I hope you enjoy. Hey, Tara, thanks for joining me on the Rural Woman podcast today. How are you doing? I'm good, Caitlin. Thank you for having me on. It is my pleasure. You are my very first official podcast guest. I'm so excited. <laughs> this is such an exciting thing. Yeah, I'm so excited. Um, there's a few reasons I wanted you to be my first guest, honestly, and we'll get into those a little bit later. But for those of my listeners that don't know who you are, can you tell us who you are, where you're from, and just a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so my name is Tara. I am a farmer in California. I come from a grain farming background, a lot of corn, alfalfa, and wheat. Um, But when I decided I wanted to start farming, I knew I needed a path. So after a lot of work, I found myself attracted to viticulture, and I planted my very first vineyard last year in April. So it's almost been a year. And yeah, I am just on my little beginning beginner farmer journey. So how did you decide that uh, viniculture is what you wanted to do? I thought I was going to be a teacher. So I was a nanny and I was kind of on track to be a teacher, but I felt like I was kind of missing something. And I came home and helped harvest corn one year. And I was like, I want to be a farmer. This is this is the feeling I want every day. So when I moved home, I really had no idea what I wanted to do, and I ended up joining this program called California Farm Academy. I think it was about seven months long, and we covered all different areas of agriculture, Um, and I found myself wanting a crop that you only had to plant once for a long period of time, unlike corn that you plant every year. So I was looking at walnuts and grapes, and I live pretty close to Napa and some other wine regions here in California, and um, that's kind of how it started. I just don't feel like wine is going to go out of style anytime soon. Well, I will definitely keep you in business for that, so (laughs) okay. So can you tell us a little bit about your crops? You said that you only had to plant the grapes once. Uh, when can you expect your first crop uh, to be harvested to go towards the beautiful bottles of wine you will be producing? Yeah, so that actually is another reason I picked wine grapes over walnut. Uh, wine grapes you plant, and it normally takes an average of three years to get your first harvest. So hopefully I'll have my first harvest in 2020. With walnuts, it normally takes seven years. And because I work on my family's farm, but essentially I am farm labor. So I didn't have really seven years to wait. 
and even three years is kind of stretching it. So um, that is another reason I picked grapes over walnuts. But hopefully 2020 will have a really great first harvest. And um, I have Sauvignon Blanc, which is a white wine. Nice. Hopefully yeah. be ready for the summer of 2020 or 2021. So white wine tastes the best in the summer, I think. So yes, and being I, in California, it's always nice and warm there, right? Uh, well, to you, I'm sure. Yeah, to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's much warmer here, but it's still cold to me. <laughs> right. So Tara, you mentioned that you actually had planned on being a teacher instead of a farmer. Can you, and you also talked about that feeling you got at harvest when you came back. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. I mean, when I was in college, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I kind of bounced around. um, And my dad was in a farming accident, which is why I ended up leaving college early. And I still was kind of lost, but I always found myself loving kids. I loved working with kids. So that's why I kind of got attracted to being a teacher. Um, And I nannied and I just loved it so much. But when I came to the farm, it just was like a different feeling. It just is like your soul feels good. My husband, when I described it to my husband, he told me that I sounded like I was falling in love. And I just felt like he that was the best description. It's yeah, just I love that. That's awesome. Good job, yeah. Angie. I know he did good right? for once. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I guess like, I hope I have kids one day. So I feel like kids are going to be a part of my life one way or another. But I had to think about where did I want to raise my future family and how did I want to live my life? Did I want to live in town or did I want to live on a farm? And I think I always knew I wanted to live on a farm, whether I was a farmer or not. So it's like, well, why don't I just do this? This is what brings me so much joy. Kids are going to be in my life eventually one way or another. And this is, I want my kids to have the childhood I had. Right. So that was a really big thing for me. And it was a big change, but I'm happy I did it for sure. That's great. Yeah. As somebody who did not grow up on a farm or know anything about agriculture before marrying a farmer and then becoming (laughs) a farmer, I I hear about Justin's childhood and all of the adventures that he had here on the farm before. And it's like dumbfounding compared to the childhood that I was raised at. And for him, he was only 20 miles away from where I grew up and our experiences were completely different. So it's exciting for the future to see what happens with uh, farm kids. So, Yeah. I mean, being a farm kid is the best. Like I never wore shoes. Like I would just, we, we had um, some rental houses right on our property where I grew up and I used to just run around and I'd see if there was any other kids around and, you know, you'd be out till dark. Mom probably wouldn't even know where I was, but she knew I was fine because I was somewhere on the farm you know, so That's it was great. a really great childhood. Yeah, good. So we mentioned your wonderful husband, AJ. Um, yeah. he is, is he a farmer or does he want to be a farmer? 
no and no. <laughs> um, he is not a farmer. He's a city boy. He came from Fresno, which is a real, like, there's so much agriculture in fr- the Fresno area, but that is just not his family's background. Um, he actually works in the medical field, and I think he never planned on marrying a farmer. Um, I dragged him out to the farm and it's, it's growing on him. I'm not, the internet's a little slow for him, uh, but other than that, I think he doesn't mind. <laughs> I, I feel you, AJ. It, it takes a while to get used to for sure. All right, Tara, I'm going to switch gears here a little bit. You mentioned something about your dad having an accident that brought you back to the farm. If you're comfortable, do you want to talk to us a little bit about that? Okay, so tomorrow is actually the anniversary of my dad's accident. Um, His accident was on March 10th, 2012. I was in college at the time, and I lived about two to two and a half hours away from home. Um, And I was doing a volunteer thing for FFA. It was on a Saturday morning. My mom called me, and I remember ignoring her phone call, and she texted me saying, it's an emergency. And as soon as I got that text message, I remember thinking that my dog had died. So I called my mom, and she said that my dad had been in a really bad accident and um, that I needed to come right away. So I had a friend with me that drove down with me because I was like an absolute mess, And now looking back, I remember thinking that he was in a car accident because she didn't give any details. And my friend kept saying, like, your dad drives like a really nice, safe truck. Like, whatever happened, he's going to be okay. So when we got to the hospital, that's when I got all the details. He was already in his first surgery by the time I got there. And what had happened was a piece of farm equipment had fallen over on him. Um, I think everyone calls this something different, but we call it a carry-all. And it's it's like a trailer, but instead of putting a piece of equipment on it, it has these uh, chains that come down and you actually pick up a piece of equipment with it. Do you know what I'm talking about? Okay, so we call those carry-alls. I, I think some people call them different things. So he was picking up a roller, which is like a rolling pin that's agricultural size. And it was in the dirt, and he was on the side of the carry-all, and the entire carry-all and roller tipped over and fell on him. So he was crushed from, like, pretty much the neck down, didn't get his head at all, but he broke nine or ten ribs. It crushed both his legs. It was really, it was really bad. Broke his back. He's got quite a few pins in his back now. But through the whole thing, the worst thing that happened to him was he had a tear in his aorta. It actually was a tear inside of it. And they said that if it teared through completely, there's there's no way they can stop it, that he would have died from that. So it's like all these broken bones and all that 
was not the worst of his problem. So they actually had to go in and put this little thing inside his aorta to so it could like heal. So that was pretty traumatic. Uh, that's pretty intense. Like that is a huge accident. It was a huge accident. He was life flighted there. Um, we were in ICU for eight days, I believe. And like technically he was only supposed to have one person there. So my mom would like pull out the little chair bed and put it kind of up against the wall. And I would sleep on the floor in between the bed and the wall. So that way, like a nurse couldn't always see me there. Right. And I thought I had it bad, but my sister actually lived in Australia at the time. Oh, no. So you can imagine how hard that was for her. Right, to be so far away from everything. Yeah, yeah. But my dad is strong. He is a very tough farmer. And uh, he he was at ICU for a while. Then he was in the hospital for a while. Then he was in, I think he was in physical therapy for 20 days or something like that. And a neighbor of ours built a ramp on our porch my dad came home in a wheelchair couldn't move his toes or his feet or anything like that and slowly but surely he just got it back and he's walking and farming and he says he can't tell where his feet are because like all his nerves got severed so he said that's the only thing is he can't really tell where his feet are but other than that he's, he's doing amazing Oh, he sounds just like a, a very tough and resilient man. Yes, like, definitely. That's probably where you got that from, hey? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Maybe just a little bit. I don't know if I could make it as much as he's made it, man. He's He is a tough one for sure. Right. So I want to take kind of a, a little bit of a turn right now. So we're yeah. talking about physical health here with your dad. One thing that you and I have connected on over probably about the past year is mental health. So can you tell us a little bit about the importance to of mental health for you personally? Yeah, mental health to me is so important to share and to break the stigma that it's a bad thing. Um, everyone has mental health. Everyone has physical health. So and if you've got a brain, it's you know, you have to care about your mental health, whether you think you're fine or not, you know, um, it's self-care. And I had another traumatic experience in my life after my dad's accident. And I think that was when I realized like, okay, I have got to care for myself, you know, cause I'm young, you know, these things are going to happen in life. And you talk to older people and they have traumatic experiences randomly throughout their life. Like that is just how life goes, unfortunately. And if you don't take care of yourself mentally, you either shut down like or you explode. I feel like, you know. You, you either implode or you explode. And it's like, it's just so important to me. It's so important to me to let people know that however, it, if, however you're feeling, it's okay. You know, and I think that I definitely went through this feeling of like, I, I'm not normal. No one else feels the way I feel. 
I went through that. And then the more you talk about it, the more you learn like, oh, I, I'm not the only one who feels this way. Right. This, even though I think it's not normal, it, it is okay that I feel like this. And there's other people I can talk to. Absolutely. And that's really why I wanted to open it up because I wanted other people to know they're not alone. So what are some of the ways that you are having these conversations with people and making mental health less of a stigma? So on Instagram, I have mental health Monday, um, hashtag mental health Monday, where I invite people to share their stories. Uh, it doesn't have to be negative stuff. It, it can be whatever anyone wants to talk about. It can be how they deal with any kind of anxiety or other mental health issues. Um, it can it can just be reaching out to others to let that let them know that they're not alone. Um, and if you don't want to talk about it, but you want to read other people's stories, it's a great hashtag to just click on and see other people's posts. And what I love lately is I've had people reach out to me and just say like how much they appreciate it to read other people's posts, to know that we're all in this together. And that was the whole purpose of this hashtag for me. So I'm so glad that other people have discovered it. And like I said, it doesn't even mean you have to post anything. You know, it just is somewhere, it's just a safe platform, I hope, for everybody. Well, I, for sure, am one who appreciates that hashtag, and it does make you feel less alone. Um, I've used the hashtag, I've shared some of my story with my mental health, I guess, and uh, I've talked to so many people about theirs, and it's just a great community that you're building there, so thank you for doing that. Well, thank you so much for being a part of it because every person that's a part of it matters, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so since I said the the buzzword community here, <laughs> I, when I think of Tara, I think of community because I think you have done an amazing job of starting uh, a community that I am privileged to be a part of on Instagram uh, within agriculture and beyond. So can you tell us a little bit about what your mission is of creating community on Instagram in agriculture? Yeah, so I feel like, where should I start? <laughs> um, I guess like, I mean, when I first got on Instagram, I was just like anyone else. It was just a little like, almost like Facebook where you just post your pictures and it's whatever, you know. And then as I got more and more into farming, I didn't even like know there was like a farming community on Instagram. Right. So then I started like seeing more and more farmers and I was like, this is what I do every day. I could post farming pictures every day on Instagram. And I was like, well, how do I connect with these people? Because a lot of farmers are not near anyone else. And a lot of female farmers aren't near any other female farmers. <laughs> we seem to be very scattered. So, you know, I saw communities like Farm Her and Rooted in the Valley and all these other really great um, women-based agricultural groups. They're amazing, but they're huge. And I was like, how can I just get a group of women to build a good relationship with, you know, to bounce ideas off of and talk to 
So I just got like a little creepy <laughs> and like, reached out to a few women and was like, hey, I'm Tara. Do you want to, you know, be in a little chat group together of female farmers? Right. And sure enough, a good amount of people were like, yeah, that sounds great. And I think we've built an awesome little community. Um, but at the same time, I do kind of want to keep it small because it keeps it more personable. You know, like if there's a thousand of us, it gets a little crazy. I don't think your message was creepy. I thought it was very nice. Uh, <laughs> and I felt very honored that I was chosen to be a part of a farmer group, first of all. so. <laughs> Well, I'm glad you felt that way. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I love it. And I think the women in our group are so awesome. It just became way more than I was expecting. Right. You know, in the beginning, it was kind of like an engagement group almost to like help find other female farmers. And now I feel like we're all friends. And it's, Absolutely. it's really amazing. I love it. Yeah, I have the conversation on the daily with Justin about my friends on Instagram and he can't keep up with who is who and, you know. I'm always like, AJ, one of the female farmers in my group. <laughs> like, <laughs> He's like, okay, which one? Which one? Yeah, exactly. Which one? What does she grow? How many animals does she have? So. <laughs> I do the exact same thing. Yes. It's like we are all friends now. Absolutely. We and really are. You know, we chat on a daily basis and we talk about things farm related that maybe some of our friends in our personal lives that we see face to face every day, they don't know what we're talking about. They don't have these experiences because they're not female farmers yeah we need like a conference <laughs> i have suggested this many times that i think we all just need to go to a beach somewhere and then tell all of our husbands or our partners that we're going on a retreat and yeah. we need a female farmers retreat i 100 percent agree and i think i will send that message as soon as we're done here so yeah <laughs> I know it's like okay how can we organize this right I feel like Kylie could do it Kylie can do anything Kylie is a lavender farmer in our group and she is so multi-talented and so wonderful we just love her I'm going to she convince her that she needs to do a podcast here she hasn't signed up yet but I'm going to make her do it <laughs> oh and she'll do it too because she's so good at everything yeah for sure so one question that I have for you I'm wondering if you have ever felt like as a female farmer you have had any disadvantage um, that maybe our male counterparts wouldn't have had you know I get asked this question and I don't feel like I have I probably have but I think I almost don't even notice because I'm very like loud and like not shy kind of like, I feel shy, but I don't act on that feeling. Like, I think I I try to act confident, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I never know how to answer this question because I don't feel, I mean, people will look at me weird. Like, people are always like, oh, no, but what do you do on the farm? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I do everything. Right. I drive the tractors. I irrigate, I dig, I harvest, I do everything. And they're like, oh, 
you know, so I get that reaction, but at this, but I don't feel like anything has happened where I would, where I'm like, oh, it would have been easier for a guy to, to do this. Um, and I think part of that, it could be because of who my dad is. I I don't know. Um, because my dad is a well-known farmer in this area. Um, so maybe I get respect because people know who he is, or maybe I get respect because the people in our community are awesome, you know, (laughs) which, you know, so I mean, I have a mentor that's a guy and I'm really the only young woman farmer in the area. So if I have been treated differently, I'm oblivious, which I don't know if it's good or bad, you know, um, I've just had a really good experience of people being very um, supportive of me. Right. I think maybe women um, in areas that are more populated or male dominated, they might mm-hmm. feel more like they are considered just the farmer's wife or, you know, just a hand, like not actually a farmer. And yeah. maybe people like on things like egg boards and that kind of stuff when they're having meetings with men, they might feel not as competent to speak up about what their ideas are or anything like that. I'm just guessing here. I've never been oh, yeah. on an egg board or anything like that, but that's just some of the comments that I've seen from other oh. female farmers. Well, that... I have no doubt. I have no doubt that women are treated differently. Yeah. You know, I'm not just, I'm not saying just cause I haven't had a bad experience that others haven't. Cause I know it happens. Yeah. Like sometimes it's so shocking. My jaw just hits the floor. I'm like, people, seriously, is this how we're going to treat? It's not even just treating a a woman this way. It's treating another human being this way. Oh, definitely. And um, I think, and, and I mean, like I said, I've gotten nervous. I just did a post about this the other day. Like I have gone to this same meeting. It's once a year. And this was like my third or fourth year. And I remember the first year going and I was like so nervous because I was like, I'm not going to know anyone. What if I'm the only girl there? Like, this is going to be weird. And like every year it's just gotten easier and easier. And I start recognizing people and they start recognizing me. So I think sometimes, not always, but I think sometimes even as a woman, you might be like, oh, what if they're going to treat me differently because I'm a woman? Because that's what we hear. Right. But like, what if you go in there just not even thinking that? Like, I'm going to get treated the same because I'm a farmer. And then when someone actually, like, treats you different, you just have to ignore it. So, I, I like I said, I think I've been pretty lucky or I'm oblivious. Well, I think you have been given the respect that you deserve. And your confidence in being a farmer is actually very inspiring to me because there are there are times that I doubt that I can tell people that I am a farmer. I am doing farmer things. And... I have my husband as my partner and I am learning every day from him what it means to be a farmer, but I look up to women like you in the farming industry every day. So thank you. You're so sweet. I'm just fake it till I make it. (laughs) I still have no idea what I'm doing. (laughs) I have no idea. (laughs) So on the topic of inspiring and admiring people, are there any female farmers that you specifically admire or look up to in your industry? I mean, I look up to all the women in our group, mm-hmm. you know, 
I don't think there's just like one person that I'm like, I want to be like her or anything like that, you know? Right. Is there anybody like with a vineyard that's close to you? You said you had a mentor. It's not a female though. Uh, I guess male or female. Do you look up to any farmer? We shouldn't, we shouldn't keep out the males from this podcast. (laughs) We're okay. (laughs) We'll let them in. I mean, when it comes to like inspirational, just like female farmers, it's like all of us. We're all like such badasses, you know, like any female farmer. Um, I, I mean, my mentor, I definitely want to be like him because he, he just does everything like top notch. And the reason I've loved having him as a mentor is when I go to him for advice, he's never like, this is the only way you can do it. He never does that. He's not like, this is the way to do it. He doesn't do that. He's always like, okay, here's option one. And here are the pros and cons. Here's option two. Here's the, here are the pros and cons. And I like that because he challenges me to think about my options and make a choice versus being like, this is the way you have to do it. And then it's like, you don't think about it because it's like, oh, well, this is what he said to do. So I'm going to do it that way. Right. And I think he, he, you know, he does that for himself too. I look at his vineyards and they're not all done exactly the same. He does one one way and then he's like, oh, I think I can make it a little bit better. So he does the next one a different way. And he, when he got into the grape business, he just went in full force because he wasn't really into grapes, you know, five years ago or so. He he had a hay business. And I like that too, because he doesn't really come from a grape background, which is the same as me. He kind of started it on his own and... That's exactly what I'm doing. Well, that sounds like a great mentor to have. Yeah, yeah. He's been really good. Someone I can always call. So what are the future plans for Tara and Beaver Vineyards? What is your goals for 2019 and beyond? We know that in 2020, we can watch you do your harvest. But after that, what's your five-year plan? Tell me your big goals. Oh, my goal is to not be broke. (laughs) I think that's every farmer's goal. (laughs) Every farmer's goal. Um, My big goals. Right now, it's really to focus on, so I have 50 acres, um, and it's really to focus on that 50 acres. I I don't have plans to expand right now. Um, I think because I'm young and just starting, I don't want to overexpand and kind of lose control. So I really want to focus on making this 50 acres the best it can be. Um, in the next five years, I'd like to help my dad retire, which is very hard for farmers. So like a lot of farmers, it's pretty much like you quit. There's not really retiring. It's like you sell everything and you quit. And I know that's not what my dad wants. So I'm hoping that we can find a way for him to retire and me kind of run his farm for him while having mine. Um, Get more chickens is in my five years goal. Get a goat. Goat. I was told I have to get two goats. Because apparently they get very depressed if you only have one. Well, you can't have just one goat because they're actually a herd animal and so they like to be together. So you have to have at least two goats. 
Right. I heard that goats can get depression. Yes. And I would be a very bad human to let that happen to my goat. I think so too, especially as a mental health advocate like yourself. I know. So two goats are in my five-year plan. <laughs> <laughs> make, it and, your, make that your one-year plan. I think yeah. you're good in one. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, more chickens. But but honestly, it, it's really just to focus on my farm and really get it the best it can be. Because I would say maybe in five, five, seven years, that's when I would think about expanding again. Right. Like if my farm is doing well, you know. Because sometimes I see people expand just every year or every other year and uh, makes me nervous. Right. Well, you only can take on so much. If your dad's looking at retiring or at retirement age, then that's a big step for you to take over, you know, not only learning your vineyard still, but then taking over the operation of a of a full farm is is a big deal. Yeah. And wine is not in my future. A lot of people ask that. I just, I took some winery classes in college and they weren't my thing. I just, I don't know. I do have a cousin that's a winemaker for a pretty large winery. Okay. So I told her, you know, if one day she wanted to try to start something that I would, I would do that with her. Mm-hmm. Um, but we haven't got too serious about it. So where will your grapes go in 2020 then? So they are all contracted with Gallo which is a fairly large winery and it should be going into dark horse wine. Okay. Um, so if you were to look up Gallo, you can actually see all the different labels they own. Um, they own probably way more labels than people realize. <laughs> so all my grapes should be in dark horse Sauvignon Blanc 2020, which probably won't be out till like 2021. Well, it is going on the top of my shopping list in 2020. <laughs> so if you like Sauvignon Blanc, it's actually really good. And it's only like a 8 to $10 bottle. So that's nice. It's affordable. And I am not a huge drinker in general, but I do really like that wine. So that worked out nicely. Well, that's great. It's good when, you're, when your products can go into something that you actually enjoy consuming. Yeah. If it would have been a red wine, I would have been like, well, this is a bummer. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, I think I have asked you all of my questions. Is there anything that you wanted to leave off with? Just, I want to let anyone know that's listening to this podcast that if you are a farmer, you're awesome. If you want to be a farmer, you can do it, whether you come from a farming background or not. Just reach out to women, even if you think you're being creepy, because apparently you're not. Uh, Just reach out to other women farmers that you can find anywhere and ask, ask, ask. I just had a girl reach out to me the other night that I think she had like a budget question. And she said, I don't know if this is inappropriate, but these are my questions. And I said, this is not inappropriate. Like, how do you think I learned anything about budgeting for a farm? You've got to ask people, you know, so ask all the questions. That's my advice to any beginning farmers. <laughs> and don't they say there's no dumb questions? There's no dumb questions. Exactly. So that's great. Tell everybody where they can find you if they want to connect with you. The best way to connect with me is through Instagram at Beaver Vineyards. Beaver like the animal. 
Um, I try to interact with everyone that interacts with me. So that's definitely the best way to find me. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to talk to me. And I look forward to continuing to connect and be best friends with you on Instagram. Yes. And our future female farmer conference. Yes. I think we need t-shirts. Yeah. Oh, I like this plan. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. I'm so honored to be your first guest. And maybe in a year from now, I can be on again and we can talk about how amazing your podcast has been for the last year. Well, I hope so. I love it. Thank you so much, Caitlin. Thanks, Tara. Thanks for listening to the Rural Woman Podcast. For show notes, head on over to wildrosefarmer.com. You can stay connected with me on Instagram at wildrosefarmer. If you love the show, make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Plus, share it with a friend. We'll see you next time.